Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. It is Trump's America, but I think at a local level, our law enforcement has been handcuffed. When people are dying for no reason other than the color of their skin, they have a right to be angry. Well, President Trump has spoke about the suburbs of the 60s and 70s. Um, I don't think that he understands what the suburbs look like now. The Democratic Party is not what it used to be, and it's extremely liberal. And um, I think it's scary, and I think our country will be in great danger. Division in America playing out in the suburbs as these Ohio voters weigh in on President Trump and the 2020 election. Hello, everyone. I'm CNN political director David Chalian. And I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. Welcome to Politically Sound. As protests, and some of these protests have actually turned violent, continue in cities like Kenosha and Portland. President Trump is turning his campaign into a pitch to voters that he will end the unrest. You could take the people of Kenosha that aren't here and that you won't see and that aren't protesting, but they want change also. They want to see law and order. That's the change they want. The president's law and order message sounds like something out of the 1960s, but it has forced his opponent, Joe Biden, to join the fray and denounce violence on all sides while promoting social justice. I want to make it absolutely clear. Rioting is not protesting. Looting is not protesting. Setting fires is not protesting. It's lawlessness, plain and simple. And those who do it should be prosecuted. For both campaigns, this appeal is about one thing, the battle for the suburbs. And voting in the key state of North Carolina, this, of course, is a big battleground state, this go-round, it begins today. And people have to decide who their candidate is. The time for choosing is now for many Americans. In this episode, we're going to break down exactly how and why these law and order appeals to white suburban voters can be critical. And then we'll explore the history of how campaigns have targeted a key swing demographic, white suburban women and why the president's strategy appears to be falling short this time around. So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to what's politically sound. Okay, Nia, let's dive right in and try to explain these appeals to suburban voters for our listeners. I want to just start with some basics. Why is it that President Trump thinks doubling down on this law and order message is going to help him win white suburban voters? 
David, I really think it goes back to white flight. And we know that's what happened the 50s, 60s, uh, 70s. We had white folks in some of these urban centers uh, uncomfortable with busing, uncomfortable with desegregation efforts, and in some cases uncomfortable with uh, some of the violence that happened in the wake of, say, the assassination of Martin Luther King. There was some protest uh, back in those days, as we're seeing now, over police brutality incidents as well. So we had uh, this exodus of white people from the cities to the suburbs. So in many ways, Donald Trump is looking back at that and thinking those same uh, anxieties and fears exist among white voters. And listen, there is some data to suggest that there are uh, fears among a certain segment of, of white voters, particularly voters that have been attracted to Donald Trump's candidacy going back to 2016. So that's why he thinks that this is going to work. We don't know if it's going to work. We do know that the suburbs don't look the way they looked in the 1950s, uh, 60s, and 70s, but he's still going to try this. And we know, David, that he did better in the suburbs in 2016 than many were expecting. And do you feel like this appeal that he's making, and he's making it in very uh, bold, obvious, uh, racialized ways, do you think it's going to work this go-round? You know, I don't think we have any evidence that this particular appeal is working, at least not to his desired effect this time around. But to your last point, I think that's what's so critical. It's like the suburbs don't look like they used to. There are demographic shifts. And let's put aside sort of just a law and order message and just geographically and voter makeup in these suburbs. This has been in the past a reliably Republican area in the not-too-distant past. I'm not talking, you don't have to go back to the 60s, right? But it is a reliably Republican area that felt attracted to the Republicanism of a George W. Bush, a Mitt Romney. Uh, it's not the kind of Republicanism that Donald Trump has put forward, Trumpism, that has had all that much appeal. Yes, in 2016, uh, he bested Hillary Clinton in the suburbs. He bested Hillary Clinton with independent voters. 2016 is a lifetime ago in the political life of Donald Trump. Uh, since he has become president, uh, those suburban voters, those independent voters, they have fled from him. As an example, among suburban women right now in our brand new CNN national poll out this week, Nia, Biden is besting Trump by 15 points, 56 percent for Biden, uh, 41 percent for Trump. Uh, he's up, I think, 14 points among independent voters. This is no longer a Donald Trump strategy to actually win the suburbs. I don't believe that that's what's going on here. I believe it is a Donald Trump strategy to try and blunt some of that Biden advantage. And listen, polls is one way we kind of get a pulse of what folks uh, nationally are thinking. Another way, which is always fascinating to me, is focus groups. And I want you to take a listen uh, to this focus group participant uh, who was on CNN uh, this week. She's a white suburban voter from Wisconsin. None of us understand what it's like to be a black person. To be told by your mom, you better make sure that you have a receipt for that 25 cent candy bar when you leave the store. So... They don't think that you stole it. And President Trump is just making it worse. 
she sounds like she is adopting the language of the Black Lives Matter movement. That, I think, is fascinating. This white woman who lives in the suburbs, who is clearly older, uh, really articulating, trying to understand what it's like. And from this focus group, which featured women like her, it certainly suggests that there is going to be movement with this particular group of college-educated white women. Right. That sound that you just heard, that voter, that is the sound of the political earth shifting a bit, right? Like, I, and it, we don't know how much movement there's going to be, but that is what political movement sounds like. No, I think I think that's right. And we see, David, uh, that uh, President Trump's strategy and struggles with white suburban uh, women voters. This is something he's trying to figure out. You say he's he's not trying to win those white suburban voters. He's just trying to not have a blowout from, from Joe Biden. What is Joe Biden's strategy with these voters? Well, his strategy this week, me, I thought was pretty interesting, which is that he clearly decided he couldn't let the president stand alone out there. So first and foremost, uh, Donald Trump does seem to have forced Joe Biden out of his home in Delaware and onto the campaign trail. Of course, as he did come out, he did the classic Biden thing that he does, which is completely trying to own the middle in many ways. I mean, this is why I think it's so funny that uh, Trump thinks he can be successful at painting Joe Biden as this, like, anarchist liberal. If you <laughs> if you listen to him, everything about Biden's demeanor is to join forces with the progressives while making sure not to offend in any way the moderates uh, in this country. So he got out there. He condemned the violence. Uh, he said absolutely uh, rioting and looting unacceptable. He then took those remarks and put it into a television ad uh, this week so that he's actually putting money and amplifying that message. But while he was totally aligning himself with the goals of a racial justice movement in this country. Joe Biden is out there trying to remind everyone, folks, everything you're seeing right now is happening in Donald Trump's America. Do you think that Biden can successfully flip that and actually uh, convince people not to be fearful of the depiction of a Biden-led America that Donald Trump is trying to sell and in reminding people who is president right now? Well, listen, he's not going to get Fox News viewers who are soaking this all in. If you ever watched that channel, it seems like the whole country is on fire when in reality uh, there are some hot spots. Portland, uh, Kenosha, even though Kenosha seems to have calmed down over these uh, last days. And I think you're, you're going to see a lot of that going to Kenosha and kind of the contrast with Donald Trump, who does at least seem to be embracing some of the violence from his supporters. Uh, you're going to see a, a, you see a contrast with with not only just Joe Biden's demeanor, this kind of, like you said, middle of the road, uh, calm demeanor he offers and then trying to bring both sides together, police officers uh, and, and protesters. And here's a suburban uh, voter from Ohio talking about uh, this strategy from Donald Trump. I do feel like he's trying to put fear in people with scaring them about if Biden wins, what America would look like. But people know what we've had for the last four years and what he has been as a president as far as putting fear in people and how he talks about people and how he has been um, dividing the country. 
So, David, you see there, at least for this particular uh, voter in Ohio, what Trump is trying to do isn't working. We'll see uh, if it works maybe in a state like Wisconsin, where there actually is uh, this pro- these protests going on. Maybe it works better there. But for this particular voter in Ohio, not so much. So when we come back, you're going to hear more about why suburban women have been the focus of presidential campaigns for years. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back. As we've talked about, the president is focusing his campaign message on white suburban voters, especially women. CNN correspondent Kristen Holmes is here to tell us a little bit more about the history of appeals like that to white suburban women and why they may not actually work this time around. But first, Kristen, I want you to just walk our listeners through how the president has gone after this key voting group in the past. Nia, the president has had a harder time with suburban voters than other Republicans and really other candidates, much of it surrounding his harsh rhetoric. I mean, we remember back in 2016, the Access Hollywood tape, he made remark after remark that were degrading to women. I remember being on the campaign trail and talking to women about these remarks, and they said, oh, it's just locker room talk, or it's guy talk. Now, my husband, my brother, my son doesn't talk like that, but it's okay if guys do talk like that. But we are living in a whole new world now. And I do want to note one thing, you know, as we start to see more and more women come forward, Ivanka, Trump, family members, uh, the press secretary, like we saw during the RNC, really trying to soften his image— he does himself no favors. So you have kind of two things going on here. You have the Republicans, the women that are around him in his campaign, really trying to soften him up, put him out there as this man who has this other side you never see. But then you hear from him and everything that he seems to be saying is outdated. It seems disrespectful to women. And it doesn't seem to have any sort of reality or mesh with what you're hearing. Yeah, there are times I listen to Donald Trump and I feel like he doesn't really live in America. He lives in a bubble. So you feel like he is kind of stuck in this 1950s idea of how Americans live, how white Americans live, and what their thoughts and fears and concerns are. He he has, of course, used this law and order message before. Talk about how that worked in 2016, and you saw him continuously uh, use that going forward in different campaigns in 2018, for instance. Well, in 2016, it was largely successful. You saw a lot of people who that resonated with. He was going to be tough on crime. He would 
parade out the families of victims who had been killed by uh, undocumented immigrants in this country. He would uh, really play off of this fear that not only, I mean, I mean, sorry, let's talk about right when he came out and he said that uh, people coming over from Mexico were rapists. I mean, that was literally the first day of his campaign. Uh, so this message is something that he has really tried to profit off of, and it, and it worked largely in 2016. But then you kind of look at 2018 and it was different. You know, you, we saw him focusing on this caravan, the fact that, that this big group was bringing criminals into the country. And, and even though he wasn't on the ballot, it was clear that that was missing the mark, that that wasn't riling people up the same way that it had in 2016. This anti-immigrant sentiment, even though it was just two years later, it was not playing out the same way. So given the shaky track record of his message and his appeals to suburban women, there is a big question about whether or not this strategy will work. Suburban voters make up more than half the electorate. And with the exception of President Obama in 2012, the candidate who won the suburbs has won the presidency in every election since 1992. That's according to CNN exit polls. And suburban white women have long been a key part of those winning presidential campaigns. First, there were... The so-called soccer moms are these uh, predominantly white women who live in the suburbs, some in rural areas, who do have children and in the past have voted either Republican or Democratic. The soccer moms of the 90s, as Kellyanne Conway described them back in 1996 in an appearance on Charlie Rose. Next, there were the security moms. Bush made big gains among women, particularly married women, those so-called security moms. Now, these were predominantly white suburban women who put an emphasis on combating terrorism. And this was a group that was courted heavily by the Bush campaign in 2004. And later, campaigns were looking to capture the vote of a more diverse crowd of so-called Walmart moms. A voting block known as Walmart moms. <laughs> That's true women with children living at home who shopped at the big box store. Now, this year, the Biden and Trump campaigns are once again locked in a battle for the votes of white suburban women. And with that, President Trump has doubled down on a strategy using racist appeals as old as the suburbs themselves. The suburbs, almost as much written about as Madison Avenue, and just as much in need of reflection... So to go back to the beginning, the suburbs have always been a place of racial exclusion, where white people could leave increasingly diverse and dangerous cities for these utopian communities, where preserving whiteness was a matter of law. We've got our rights, too. They can't force us to live with them. Yeah, just let them try to force this in my block. And that's one of the things that President Trump has warned about. He often implies that suburbanites will lose the protections that essentially keep people of color out of their neighborhoods. They were trying to destroy the suburban, beautiful place, the American dream, really. They want low-income housing, and with that comes a lot of other problems, including crime. The president is also embracing another tried-and-true appeal to white suburban women, law and order. We need law and order in this country, and women see that with me. You're never going to have law and order with Biden. And in the middle of racial unrest and violent protests across the country, the president is promoting a message that sounds a lot like Richard Nixon. It is time for an honest look at the problem of order in the United States. Or George H.W. Bush's infamous Willie Horton ad. 
Despite a life sentence, Horton received 10 weekend passes from prison. Horton fled, kidnapped a young couple, stabbing the man and repeatedly raping his girlfriend. Weekend prison passes. Dukakis on crime. The thing is that times have changed since Nixon and Bush, and the suburbs themselves have changed. The president is doubling down on these race-based law and order appeals while suburbs have gotten increasingly diverse. According to the New York Times, close to 60% of all Black people reside in suburbs, and people of color make up close to one-third of the suburban population. I mean, just think about how suburbs have changed in popular culture. In the 60s, you had sitcoms like Leave it to Beaver that presented the image of family bliss. You had a working father, a stay-at-home mother, obedient children in a white town. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Hi. But now you see programs like Blackish. But as a black man with all the success, sometimes I feel like an oddity. And fresh off the boat. If we get separated, try and join a white family. You will be safe there. Presenting an entirely different suburb, and one that more closely resembles the reality in America. And for many white voters in traditional suburbs, their preferences have changed. And in order to win their vote now, President Trump might not be taking the right approach. No president has ruined this country like he has. The unrest and the riots in the streets we haven't seen since the 1960s. That's former Trump voter and suburban woman Lori McCammon from Wisconsin, telling CNN that she sees President Trump as a cause of unrest, not a protector from it. And she's not alone. In the latest poll from Pew Research, 58% of suburban women surveyed said that racial and ethnic inequality was a serious issue. So this idea that people of color are a boogeyman might not be one that resonates with these white women voters, as this suburban Ohio City councilwoman told CNN. He is going to need the suburbs to vote for him. But I think he um, is delusional about what they look like. And he feels as though he can get the suburban housewives to vote for him. And I don't think he understands what the voters look like in the suburbs. But here's the thing. President Trump could still have an advantage because in that same poll, 62% of suburban women, so a slightly higher margin, said that violent crime was a very important issue for them. So President Trump's message of law and order could still have some appeal. And while white women voters aren't dominating suburbia the same way they used to, they are still a key voting bloc. Many white suburbanites are living on the outskirts of the suburbs and remain conservative. If you think Donald Trump is a racist, you're not paying attention. Look up the First Step Act if you don't already know what that is and what it has done for the black community that were incarcerated under Joe Biden's and Barack Obama's legislation. That voter from Florida is an example of someone President Trump will need to keep in order to win again. But he has a lot of ground to make up. In that same Pew poll, he trailed Biden by 17 points among suburban women. So as we near November 3rd, you should expect to see the appeals to suburban women from both candidates continue. And they might just decide the election. Kristen, thanks so much for that great report. I particularly love the sound from Fresh Off the Boat. Great show, that is. And, and I want to ask you something else. You kind of go through this litany of uh, demographics, soccer moms, security moms, uh, Walmart moms. Is there a new trendy mom group of voters for 2020? 
yeah, the newest suburban mom voting block is what Democratic Senator Patty Murray christened the rage moms. These are women who are fed up with the failures to combat coronavirus. They are now working a full-time job. They are teaching school and raising children. And just in general, they are frustrated by the world. And I think it's a name that makes a lot of sense to people given the year that we're all having. Kristen, fascinating reporting. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Nia. Okay, Nia, what were your biggest takeaways for this week? So, David, the big question that we're not going to know the answer to until all the votes are tabulated is whether or not this appeal that Donald Trump is making to white voters, I think broadly, and white suburban voters in particular, we don't know if it's going to work. We will at some point, you know, know if these overtly uh, race-based appeals that we've seen in the past work for him, whether or not they work uh, going forward. We do know the suburbs don't look like Donald Trump thinks they look. We do know uh, that a lot of these white voters now are putting themselves in the shoes of African-American voters, their African-American neighbors, in a way that they might not have before because of what we've seen over this past summer with these protests. The other sort of, I think, argument is that racism has been a very powerful tool in American culture, in American politics, in American history, and it could very well work. I think it might be the most dominant force this country uh, has seen. And so in some ways, you know, Donald Trump is obviously betting on that enduring power of racism, on that enduring power of what has been historically a white fear at a changing America. So we'll see if if this ends up working for him uh, in 2020. And I I think in the coming weeks, it's likely going to get worse, this rhetoric. So we'll see. I think you're right. Obviously, we won't know until all the votes are tabulated. But what we do know right now is it doesn't seem to be working yet. It's not currently working. I think that is pretty clear. And to your other point about the power of racist appeals in American political history, uh, there's no doubt about it. It, it. American political history is littered with many, many more examples of that kind of appeal working than not working. Um, And as you said, uh, America moves very slowly. The other thing that I want to just make sure people are clear on is that you are going to see and hear and read endless takes, much like this podcast, about the power of the suburbs and the importance of the suburbs in this election. And it's true. I think it's a really hugely important component uh, to the battle for 270 electoral votes. But it's not actually the linchpin of the Trump strategy at re-election. And I think that's what's so critical for people to understand. His path to victory remains as it has always been, a narrow path, and it is because what is really going to determine this election for him is whether or not he can find more Trumpy-like voters, uh, specifically white, non-college-educated males in critical states in the upper Midwest, uh, to turn out that did not do so in 16 or 18. And it is this notion of plunging deeper into those territories to find those white, non-college-educated, specifically male voters to come out of the woodwork in bigger numbers than they have before. That is how Donald Trump is actually going to win re-election, far more than uh, simply winning a battle with Joe Biden over white suburban voters. 
And I think if you're Donald Trump, what worries you if he is looking at those polls, and I'm sure he is, is that Joe Biden isn't doing terribly among those voters uh, in the way that we've seen past uh, Democrats do really poorly among those voters. So this, I think, gives you a sense of why Donald Trump all along thought that Joe Biden was going to be a tough, tough candidate to beat. We'll see what happens. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks for listening. And if you could take a few minutes to give us a rating and a review, we would very much appreciate it. And please subscribe if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts. Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan and Madeline Thompson. Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager. And Francisco Monroy is our engineer. David Toledo is the team's production assistant. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus. We'll see you all next week. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.